from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, where you're listening in. You are watching on Facebook Live on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. And we are here with Steve Adazio, the head coach of the Colorado State Division I FBS football team. And very happy to have Coach here. He obviously has ties to Syracuse. He has... Uh, ties to uh, Boston College more recently here uh, to Temple, which is the first time that I ever got to see him uh, speak and, and was in the room uh, covering when he had uh, gone to uh, Temple and, and Temple was speaking in what was then the Big East and the return of the Big East. And uh, now he's with Colorado State. So I have been honored and privileged over uh, the better part of this past decade to cover what Steve Adazio has done and and uh, has definitely have all the respect in the world for the work that he's put forward. So it is a true honor for me to welcome him to the show today, and let's bring him in. Steve, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Uh, appreciate being on the show and, uh, you know, just looking forward to the start of college football season. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I want to start there. I mean, this has been kind of a, a very interesting, obviously, time in our history. We were able to get the national championship off and running. I mean, things in January, we were able to do what we needed to do. And then life just kind of got confusing right around March and, and which what was supposed to be March Madness. How have you kind of navigated this world, not just as a coach, but as a human being? Because we are in truly unprecedented times how have you tackled the the coronavirus and and how, having having to you know figure things out as we all figure things out in in a world that is kind of just learning as we go at this point? Yeah, I mean, I left. Uh, you know, we were in the middle of spring ball. Got seven practices in, and uh, we were going on our way to spring break. And I left on a, to go down to Florida, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was like bam. And, uh, you know, we, we, we came out of Florida, had to go back up to Boston. We sold our home, um, and we were getting ready to fly to Denver. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, it seemed like we were in the peak of this thing and decided maybe it was best off if we went to our home on the Cape and hung there for a while and kind of did that. And then, you know, I think to answer your question, I think, like a lot of people, um, as fast as you can our business, you, you've got to make adjustments. and you got to get going because – the job isn't slowing down for anybody. So we got got on Microsoft Teams and just what we did went to work. And my thing was get right back into a routine. 7 a.m. staff meetings, uh, you know, followed by offense, defensive uh, staff meetings, followed by recruiting, followed by team meetings at 2.30 in the afternoon, followed by individual meetings, you know, followed by academic meetings and, 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 and keeping an eight-hour workday and, uh, and, and highly focus on the marketing and the recruiting of our football program. But we went into that mode, and for the last, whatever it's been now, seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever that's been, it's been a grind. And uh, probably, you know, almost maybe work harder and longer than, than this time of year might have been in a normal circumstance. So I think the routine and the grind has been the way of adjusting. Um, 
putting a mask on to go to the store personally, I guess, and, uh, you know, really washing your hands, following protocols, and and then just missing, you know, I got into coaching because I loved being around kids and coaches and the camaraderie and the locker room, and, you know, you miss that. Now, all of a sudden, you're doing your job, but it's on a computer screen. So, it's different, but, you, you know, but you got to adjust. You got to adjust really quick because this is a fast-moving business, and, you know, here comes September 5th, and there's going to be a winner and a loser, and you better have your work in place, and you better be on top of what you're doing because no one's going to care at the end of that game about other than one thing, win it. Yeah, you know, and that's – and like you said, I mean, trying to figure out and navigate through this and, and you know, getting, getting on to Microsoft and Zoom and whatnot. And I know recruiting has been interesting because, you know, the kids can't obviously come in for a visit. So I've spoken with a lot of kids on the recruiting trail that are talking about these – virtual visits and you know how some schools are using drone footage and trying to show like real-time footage of things going on bringing them around to different places obviously you know coaches showing their faces and trying to create a relationship what can you tell me about what you and your staff have tried to do in recruiting to be innovative to utilize technology to your advantage and to try and do what you can to build a relationship with the kids out there yeah i mean we're doing all the things you talked about, right? I mean, we're we're um, on virtual recruiting days, uh, you know, through a platform uh, where everybody gets on. It's like as if they were here for the day, talking to different people here and learning about our program. We're doing the great stuff with videos and doing great stuff with mailers. And, but I still think at the end of the day, and all that's important, it's really important, but I still think it comes down to this. I think you've got to, you've got to get your staff and you've got to, in an organized fashion, every day, you've got, to, you've got to attack recruiting. And attacking recruiting means, you know, you're writing your notes, you're making your phone calls, you're connecting with high school coaches, and you're evaluating tape as a staff and individually. And so, like, I have a very detailed, organized program on making sure that the, the film of every player moves up the command from the position coach to the recruiting coach to the coordinator to the head coach. And just pumping out. Like, we've watched over 350 kids. And... And then being on the phone and, and me on the phone, I'm on the phone all day talking to recruits and their parents. And then I get on that virtual recruiting thing and I'm on with them and building relationships. So it's identifying, it's evaluating, and then it's attacking and building those relationships. And you can't, you know, and so, yeah, the other stuff's important. And there's some really creative ideas that people are doing and we're doing them. But I, I equate it back to being when I, you know, back in the day when you're, when you're it's Still, I call them contacts. You, you, you build relationships by being on the phone with them and, and being on with their parents and building trust. And, and you're in a foot race every day to do that. And we, we started that way immediately. And I think our results right now are showing that we were on target point with what we were doing, you know, based on number of, of, of commitments and things. So, um, you know, that's where we're at. And, and, and we're being bold and making decisions off the videotapes and off the relationships. You know, when we've all used to say, oh, we'll get them in camp. Oh, we'll get them on campus. Well, we got some on campus, but we're going to have to be confident in our film evaluation and in our character evaluation. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's obviously it's going to be important trying to decipher through and, you know, not have the uh, these young men right in front of you right now. Speaking here with Steve Adazio, the head coach of Colorado State. Uh, coach, uh, speaking on recruiting, you have always been big on recruiting Central New York 
And when I've had opportunities to speak with you over the years, especially the last couple of years, I made it a point to to state that because when you're at Boston College, I, I said to people, I mean, I was born and raised in Syracuse and and I'm, I'm back here in Syracuse with my company. And and I've said numerous times on my show, and this is because of you, uh, you know, I, I said the school that recruits central and upstate New York the best is Boston College. And now that you're in Colorado State, and you know, I, and we're still seeing those, you know, seeing you uh, go and, and and offer kids here in Central Upstate New York. I mean, because of where you are, and you were, I mean, you could have been at BC, you could have been at Colorado State, you could have been at Wyoming, could have been anywhere. You have always had respect for this area, even more so than the school right down the road. And I, I wanted to kind of get a little bit deeper into that because coaches like you give opportunities to kids in Central and Upstate New York that are extremely talented but somehow sometimes overlooked. And you have the Tyler Days and the and the Tyler Rouse, John Phillips, uh, Noah Jordan-Williams, and on and on and on. And obviously some guys I, I know you can't uh, necessarily talk about right now that have some offers out there. But you've always found value in Central New York, and I wanted to just get into that because I thought when you were at Boston College, nobody recruited Central New York better than you did. Well, listen, here, this started for me when I was at Syracuse with Coach Pasconi for four unbelievable years, right? I mean, you know, consecutive conference championships and BCS bowl games. And I watched as a young coach when I started a couple things. I fell in love with Syracuse. Like, I love Syracuse. And, and, I, and I got to know so many great high school coaches in Central New York and, 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 and were around so many great high school players and we had such a huge camp at Syracuse back in the day and I just got a great respect for the coaches and a great respect for the talent and the players in that area and I watched the footprint of how Coach Pasquale and before him Coach Pearson how they built that how that program went and, and I don't go farther back than that. I know it goes way far back than that but you when you're at these places, Syracuse, Boston College, these places, and, 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 and I follow the same blueprint right here, right now. i got to build this thing inside out, Colorado out. So I believe in, you know, you got to build inside out. There's some real talent in central New York and surrounding areas, and you gotta, you've got you've to gotta mine your area, and you've got to find the diamonds in your area. And when you lose those... You know, it makes me crazy because you have so much pride that you want the very, very best players to stay within their state and in their area. And those players exist. And I just think fundamentally that's how you build a foundational program. You build it inside out. So even as I come out here to Colorado State, and so I'm doing that here now inside the state of Colorado is my priority. But as I go into my into my little saddlebag areas, satellite areas, you know, Central New York is, is important to me because I still have so many great contacts of people that I trust. And I can pick up the phone and say, tell me about so-and-so. And I know what they're telling me is accurate, you know. And I think there are real diamonds out there. And, you know, I just watch school sometimes and they go out and they just go wildly out recruiting all over the place. And I say to myself, you know, it's like here, like, I mean, I want those kids that have that Colorado pride. They grew up in a state that's meaningful to them, and they probably came to the stadium and watched games when they were little kids. And I, I think there's something special about that. And I look at the Dome, and I say, you know, 
I mean, that was a, I remember being in that place. That was a special place. Heck, my son was a little kid there. And I remember him saying, Dad, one day I'm going to go play at Syracuse. I mean, it's so, I just feel like, you know, that that's why I'm orientated that way. A, I had a great experience when I was there. Some of the greatest moments in the history of that school. Not, I mean, there's other greater ones, right? National title and everything else. But that was a heck of a run there with Coach Pascaloni and a lot of great players. And I saw the blueprint. And the blueprint worked right in front of my eyes. And then I made those great relationships, and I've kept so many of them. And I and 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 so you know that's me. It's a part of me up there. You know, I've always been fond of that place. Plus, they got some pretty good Italian food up there. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you know, and coach, I mean, we got to talk to some of these recruits that are out there because I, I've spoken to some of these guys, you know, in Wisconsin and Illinois and New Jersey and whatnot, and I'm asking them their favorite Italian spot, and they're telling me Pizza Hut. So we. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, right? <laughs> right. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of good places in Central and Upstate New York, and I know that you know that. I mean, are are you? Are you surprised? I mean, like when you were at Syracuse, like you said, for those four great years with Paul Pascaloni and recruiting local, building from the inside out. And you said, you know, those kids that it's like they want to play for their hometown. It's in their fiber. It's in who they are. This is their place. They know it. Are you surprised that, you know, after Paul Pascaloni, we've seen such a decline and there's really little to no Central New Yorkers and upstate New Yorkers on the Syracuse team? Does that surprise you as a former assistant on, on the staff? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you, the sim, I mean, I'm not here to I'm not here to judge anybody or anything. I, but if you're asking me that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, when I was at Temple, um, we were recruiting uh, Tyler Rouse, you know. Yeah. And Tyler had I, I looked at his tent like, oh, let's recruit this guy. And 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 I just remember when I went to BC, the first guy I'm taking is Tyler Rouse, you know. And and I and and, and then I hired him to be a strength and conditioning coach for me. He's he was a great player. He was an elite, elite person. He was tougher than you can imagine. And, he's, and, he, and he made so many plays for us in the ACC. I mean, he's a great example of coming from a great high school program, uh, really prideful. I think at that time, he was the all-time leading rusher in the state of New York or something like that. And I'm saying to myself, like, what the heck? I mean, why? Because he's a little little shorter? Yeah. I mean, you know, and and... and, and there's just been so many stories like that, you know, and, and shoot, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, again, you know, uh, inside out. Yeah. I love it. You know, we used to talk about it when I was at Florida, you know, we had the ability after we had that run of a couple national titles to, you know, to go, to go nationally. And yet there's just so much great talent right in our own state. And a lot of people felt like, wow, you could just, you could just recruit right here. You'd never have to leave your state. Right. And, and then you're dealing with a lot of guys that had a lot of pride there. So I don't know. I love, I love central New York, man. I mean, I, I really do, you know, and, uh, there's something special about it. Um, you know, the people are unbelievable. We were living in Manlius and, we're still really close with our neighbors to this day from where we lived in Manus. And uh, it's just so friendly and it was a great, great time in our life. And uh, so I'm a big fan of high school football. I'm a big fan of the area and, and a big fan of the university because I, you know, I think it's a special place. And I, and I think it's a place where I watched 
you know, Coach Pasquale and a lot of great coaches and Coach Mack that went through that place. And and they just recruited all these fabulous players from, I mean, how about Keith Bullock out in New York, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so great. All these players. I mean, God, there were so many players. I, mean, I look back, I mean, they all, a lot of players were, had these remarkable careers in the NFL. Yeah, I remember Mark, Mike Hart got away to uh, Michigan, and, but, uh, you know, just a lot of talents come through there. A lot of talent. And what's his name uh, from uh, Stevie is out, out at Indiana, right? From, yeah, he's uh, with Indiana. Yeah, and Mike Hart, Mike Hart recruited him out to Indiana, so. Yeah, and we, 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 I remember we were involved with him, too. We loved him, but we had A.J. Dillon at the time, and it probably hurt us. But, um, you know, I thought he was going to be a sensational player. You know, I really did. And obviously, he is a hell of a player. Yeah, and Steve, a lot of talent. You know, a lot of talent. And Stevie Scott's going to be uh, playing on Sundays. We know that A.J. Dillon is going to be, and I there's something about you. I mean, the the program that you're at up at BC obviously has a history of running the ball and playing hard defense. But you have always respected running backs. So like you said, you know, doesn't matter the height, it's the heart. I know you've always talked about, you know, the heart of a player to go along with their talents. A.J. Dillon is a guy that I have been anxiously anticipating drafting in fantasy football for like three years now. And now I get to do it. I think the Green Bay Packers made one of the smartest decisions that maybe people weren't paying attention to. It was round two. I think it was pick 42 overall. And they draft A.J. Dillon. And I am ecstatic for this young man. You recruited him. You brought him into B.C., what is what are the Green Bay Packers getting in AJ Dillon that you I mean you know it and I know it you know it better than I do but I mean I was in awe of watching this man play I voted him for ACC Player of the Year in the preseason just blown away by him what can you say about what the Packers get in AJ Dillon? Well, first of all, you're getting a hell of a young man. I mean, he's a high character dude now. He's he's got you know good social conscience. I mean, he's a guy that wants to be involved in the community. Um, he cares about people. Um, he is a uh, uh, has a great family. Um, he is a physically he's a freak. Um, I mean, I, I've never seen a guy like that before. He's you know a six foot guy that two hundred forty pounds thereabouts. He can go either way. You know, he can lose a little. He can gain a little. Um, his numbers are freakish. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's an unbelievable pass blocker. Um, I just think he's going to have a dynamic career. Um, you think about what he did um, in his career in, in year, you know, the second year of his career, he had a severe ankle injury, and um, and that and that really hurt him that season. And no other player would even have played or come back the way he did. Trust me, but he's just unbelievable. And and then and he missed a fair amount of time, and he wasn't himself. And then he comes back and has a great third year. Imagine what that guy would have, would have done with three healthy years, or even God forbid, you know, the extra year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it speaks for itself. We go back and we're watching cutups right now as we're preparing and look back at what we did there and, and stuff, and just watching him. I watched him. How many? Watching him, guys bounce off of him when they try to tackle him. You know, and he's a punishing when he when, once you when he would get going, he would punish DBs. You know, it's crazy. He'll 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 have a great broker. And and you've always been, I mean, at least from what I've seen, the Steve Adazio way. You know, run that ball down your throat, 
and and play that harassment defense. So you gave Clemson fits, you gave Florida State fits at times. You know, you you attacked in the ACC and whatnot. I know when you came to Temple, you had a lot of fire there, and you were a part of, uh, you know, Temple somehow every two to three years loses their head coach and continues to have success. I I know that that you're kind of uh, what they would call the old school way, yet I think that's real football, like real tangible between the tackles, condense the clock, run the ball up your gut, make them tackle you, and then play that defense that just irritates the heck out of people. Can we expect that at Colorado State? And do you do you? I mean, are, what what do you think about the way football is now? Because it's tried to change itself so much, but you've stayed true to what you know what people were used to watching. You know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, you, you still stay true to that model. Here's what I stay true to: I do believe in playing great defense, and I believe in a run game, and I believe in toughness, flat toughness. Yeah. And being a line coach, I believe it's one up front on both sides of the ball. So those things stay true to me. I do believe, though, that you want to get your best playmakers the ball. So in my last stop, I had A.J. Dillon. He needed to get the ball. He's the best player on the field, maybe in the conference. Before that, I had Andre Williams. who's the best player on the field. And, you know, before that, there I had Tyler Murphy. He was the best player on the field. So it was a lot of shotgun QB stuff. Um, you know, so I think you, you, you have to have a core philosophy. And with me, it starts with toughness. It's a tough physical game. You got to be tough. You got to play great defense to win championships. No one's ever going to convince me different. And you do have to be able to run the game, run the ball. And so our plan to win is play great D, be great in special teams, score in the red zone, do not turn the ball over, right? And be and be able to run it. Those are the five things. And so here we're going to be tough. We're going to be able to run the ball. Now we have some elite wide receivers. We have an elite tight end, and we've got a quarterback that can chuck it. So we're going to be a much heavier passing team than I've been um, in a long, long, long time. And and that's because that's where our talent is. Um, But those other principles will still stay true. And so I went to Temple. I thought they stayed true, and 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 I kept them true. And, you know, at Temple, we went in there. We won the first bowl game in 30-something years. And then the second year, we had a big graduation, and we had to go into the Big East Conference. And at that time, it was the Big East pretty much intact from when it was the Big East. Yeah. And we knew we had we were going to have a tough year than that, that year because we, we didn't even know we were going into like April. But we had recruited that great class of P.J. Walker and, 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 and all Kayvon Young and all those guys, Medikevich. And we knew that we were going to build something great there. And uh, we have built a brand new facility and gone into that. And going into that conference happened because of my relationship with Nick Carparelli, who was the senior associate commissioner, was like family to me. And then that's how that got done. And uh, so we got that done, got a new facility, and then moved the program forward into the, what was the Big East, which became the AAC. And the foundation of that was toughness. We had to become physically, you know, we, we were building a tough team and a team that could keep those principles intact. So that... You know, you know, and, and, and Matt, you know, came in and was able to take the thing to greater heights there. And he, um, you know, but the foundation was set and the players were recruited. You know, P.J. Walker went on to be a great player. And, yeah. and, and, and so did just a whole host of those guys went on. That class that was in place that we played with as true freshmen or was coming in the next year was the bulk of that team that went on and, and, and won. And, 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 and Matt did a great job with them. 
and so we were so proud of that. And then going up, went up to BC, and that was a train wreck up there. And uh, we were able to rebuild that thing from the ground up and do it remaining bowl eligible. And uh, and, and you know, with, and brought in a bunch of high character guys and a bunch of guys that had a chance now to go on and play in the NFL. And and, and we did it with the same concept, you know. And um, so I know that it works. And I learned it from Paul Pasqualoni. And, uh, you know, Coach Pasqualoni, I mean, that, that was the foundational blocks of what he did at Syracuse, which I saw firsthand and was a part of. And, and it worked, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and I, know, I, know, I know that it works. Speaking here with Coach Steve Adesio, Coach, you brought up BC just now. You went to, I mean, what would have been, you know, five bowl games, you know, obviously uh, this past season, the way that things ended and whatnot. But like you said, you know, you went up to BC, six bowl games altogether, right? So you, there, you, you know, you talked about it being a train wreck when you went in, but then almost every, you know, uh, nearly every single season you were in Boston College, you were going to a bowl game which is, you know, that's saying a lot, especially in today's world with, um, you know, the way that things are. And there's only there's four teams in the college football playoff and there's 130 Division One AFBS programs. So just what you could say about that, you know, coming into BC, knowing that you have to create something out of what was there. And then almost every single season you ended going to a bowl game. Yeah, well, the only one we couldn't do was because that was the... Uh byproduct of you know the, the roster deficiency when i got there up front yeah and, you know here we had to play with a young chris lindstrom who were people like why are you playing with him you know he's a 255 pound guy because because we knew he'd be a great player but that freshman year we played a lot of guys up front that you know were young and what happens in these cycles is you know you get in these cycles with in, in developmental style programs where you're young sometimes, and and that's what it is. It's youth, and then of course you know there's a fine margin for error, and you lose a quarterback along the way. And we had lost Darius Wade at that point, and John Hillman got hurt that season, and we were playing with all those young players, and we had a great defense, but an offense we were just so young, and then that flipped, and we started developing an offense and uh, built the core of our program. Um, so. I just think that, and, and you know, to me, it was brought a bunch of high character guys in there, really good students, really represented the values of the Catholic institution, and just gentlemen from from every sense of what we did to build that program in a, in a family atmosphere. But I, you know, was proud was the coaches in the ACC, and I heard from all of them. Felt like we were one of the toughest programs in that conference and one of the most respected programs from being well put together and physically tough and and, and compete at a high level. And uh, you know, and that's what that's all you can do. You, you know, you try to recruit, you try to bring in quality players that represent the university's values and uh, graduate them and keep a high profile, compete hard on the football field, go to bowl games. And uh, put players in the NFL. I mean, win. Um, the other piece on that is compete for a conference championship. That's your goal, right? That's what you're trying to get done. Yeah. And you're and, and you're striving for that all the time. Um, and we all know in that conference, what's difficult is you have a you got a Clemson in there that, <laughs> in my tenure there, became in the ACC. That became the 
um, the high, high, high watermark for the ACC. They're their best they've been in their history in, in, in the last six years. And with, you know, three, I think it's three national champions and, 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 and just really a really competitive deal. It's just super competitive on that side of the division right now with an elite team that everybody, it's not, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, you know, but, you know, all you can do is you do your best. You go in there, you try to make it better than it was when you got there. And, and, and you try to represent, you always try to re- represent the alumni base and the fan base in the university in a first class fashion, because ultimately we are about developing student athletes. And that's, to me, I always pride myself on you walk in that locker room and, you know, when you're selling, when you're recruiting, you want parents to know that, like, you know, you want to be in our locker room, you know, you want to be in, you know, you want to build a locker room that's full of high character, great people that are going to be great role models. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the teacher. That's what I believe in. That's why I got into this. I didn't get into this back in the day where phys ed majors and just wanted to teach phys ed. And it wasn't anything to do with money. It was about, it was about kids and development. You know, but like everything else, you know, sometimes things, you know, take different paths. Coming from Steve Adesio, a coach, before I let you go here, want to want to take a look at uh, you mentioned PJ Walker you recruited him to Temple uh, Matt Rule ironically goes in there after you he coaches PJ Walker and now he's the Carolina Panthers head coach and now PJ Walker has you know with the XFL folding and him leading the best team in the XFL through those first 5 weeks PJ Walker is now heading to Carolina what what does PJ Walker bring to the NFL in your opinion Well first of all you know Matt was on I kept Matt when I took the job at Temple. I kept Matt on the staff. Yeah. So Matt was with me uh, for a couple of years, and you know, and I love Matt. And uh, then, really, uh, you know, I recommended to Matt take that job over when I left because I felt strong about Matt. He would do a great job there, and he did. And you know, PJ. While we recruited PJ and brought PJ in, you know, we were one of the few you know schools that went out. We, we knew he was going to be a great player. Kevin Rogers recruited him. And, really had a great eye for town. You know, Kevin, he was a longtime Syracuse coach as well. And, um, you know, PJ is just remarkably accurate thrower. And he is an unbelievable leader and competitor. And you saw that in high school. And I think the only reason why he wasn't a national guy was probably a little bit, it was height, you know. And, uh, but, but again, you know, when you look at quarterbacks, what do you have to really pay attention to? The it factor. And he had it. So Matt, you know, is a smart guy, and Matt, you know, knows that what PJ Walker is all about. So it's not shocking to me that you know Matt would have a chance. And I heard PJ went into that other league and lit it up, and uh, he's a winner. And I think Matt's a great evaluator of talent, and uh, you know, he figured that out pretty quick. You know, so. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, before we get to our final piece, uh, last thing, uh, the first time I ever saw you speak uh, that I was in the room for this in in coverage of it is is when Temple was coming to the Big East at the time before it became the American Athletic. And I remember you were the last coach to get up and speak. And when you got up to speak, some people, you know, are getting ready and people are wrapping things up and whoever the last team is, people are getting their books and they're starting to clean up and this and that. And you stood up there and you got onto that mic and you spoke so loudly into that mic. I thought the mic, I, I thought between you and the mic, you had beaten the mic and, and, and the, and the mic, I, I just remember 
when you got up, you said, you know, we're going to compete for a championship. You know, we're here to do things the right way. We're going to do, you know, and you just, you were just all about it. And I think some people in that moment, you know, you look at people, how they respond to that. When somebody is so passionate about it, some people kind of laugh out of being uncomfortable and not really knowing that confidence in the room. I looked at it and I was like, damn, you know, Steve Adazio, I was like, I, I would run through a wall for this guy. Like if he wants me to go out, I may have played basketball growing up, but I was like, if he wants me to play football, I'll go pad up right now. But I'll never forget that speech because I just remember going, wow. I'd play for that guy right now. And then I saw you go to BC and, and, you know, obviously at Colorado state now, but you know, you and I have spoken on the phone. We've spoken at, you know, uh, the ACC media days and this, that, and whatever. But ultimately I've never gotten to really just, you know, tell you that I have respected you for the first day I ever stood in the same room as you because of how passionate you are about the game, the players, doing things the right way. And I feel like you're genuinely just one of those good people that wants to see other people succeed. And you're not going, you're going to compromise where you can, but where you can't, you're not going to. And you're going to stand like a tree and say, if you're not going to move, like I'm not moving. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel that you are one of the coaches and one of the people that in the last 17 years of me broadcasting, I can honestly say I respect the most. Well, that's awful nice of you to say, and, and it, it's very meaningful to me because, um, you know, what you think I hold dear is exactly what I hold dear, and and, and, and it's really important to me. And, and if I, in my career, you know, if at the end of my career people can say that, then I feel great about it, and, and that's that's why I got into this thing. I didn't, I didn't, I got into it for those reasons, so... I really appreciate those comments. Uh, it means a lot to me, um, and uh, that's that's what I think this profession should be about. And you know, my son's going is in this profession. He's here coaching with me. He's coaching the offensive line, and that's what I talk to him about. Is you have to have substance. Um, you got to. It's all about being a great teacher and a role model for the players. It's about the players. You got to. You got to stand for something. It's a tough game. And you got to respect the game. And, then, you know, it's not what you can get for the game. It's what you can give to the game. And those are the things that I think are fabulous. And I'm lucky. I'm a lucky guy because this is what I've been able to do for my career. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to have another opportunity out here. And I'm really grateful to be able to have this conversation with you and be able to reminisce a little bit about Syracuse and talk about football in central New York and, you know, because this is such a, it was such a big part of my life, and uh, and so this has been really a lot of fun for me, and I uh, appreciate you really reaching out to me. I appreciate it very much, Dan. Yeah, anytime, Coach. And so the last piece, and you'll appreciate this more because you've been in it for so long. I do a thing on my show called Rapid Fire, and it brings me to it brings us totally outside of the world of football, and normally it goes back and forth. But I think the interviewee really never gets to become the interviewer. And for as long as you have been a coach, especially a head coach, you're the only one sitting up there at the podium and people are throwing questions at you and you don't get to ask anything. So I don't know if you've ever had a broadcaster do this, but I'm going to give you, Steve Adazio, three questions to ask me. You can ask me anything in the world, but you are the interviewer now. I am at the podium, so please don't ask me if it feels good to win games. But outside of that, because I never understood when when somebody asked a coach, does it feel good to win? But you can ask me any three questions in the world whenever you're ready. 
because I think it would be cool for 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 you who's used to being interviewed to finally get to put somebody else on the hot seat. What are your most exciting moments in broadcasting college football? My most exciting moments in broadcasting college football. I would say mm, I would say uh, Syracuse in the Camping World Bowl, uh, seeing Eric Dungey, who everybody counted out and so many people disrespected. And I remember the last year I said, you better appreciate this man when he's on the field because you're going to miss him when he's gone. And they do. And he, I mean, the final season, 10 wins, going to a bowl game, defeating West Virginia, a rival, did it for the th- fourth time in a row. Uh, beating West Virginia. So, I, I mean, and I got to ask him the question where he cried when I asked him about his career and I asked him about, um, and I never thought it'd be carried all over the world, but when I talked to him about his career and, you know, just that moment and everything he's been through and believing in himself. And I, I'm just, I'm so honored. His father just passed away recently and I got to do a special with his mom and his dad and his brother and his sister and so I think that's one of my proudest moments. He's a huge inspiration. Uh, I would say uh, one of my other favorite moments was Donovan McNabb. I, uh, this is before I was a broadcaster. I met him when he was playing football, and he was also playing basketball. And my mom looked at him, and he was working at Tully's as a host on 7th North Street. And my, and my mom said to me, she goes, that's Donovan. And I go, no, it's not. And she goes, no, no, no. It, or no, like my dad said it wasn't. And then my mom and I were like, no, we think it is. So she goes up to him when we're walking out and she goes, are you Donovan McNabb? And he looks at her and he nods and he signed a Tully's coaster that I still have in my studio. And he signed it Donovan McNabb, number five quarterback. And I remember I was a basketball player growing up. So I was kind of pissed that he didn't give me the basketball number, but I'll never forget what he said to me and my mom. He bent down and we were both next to him and he whispered to us both. He said, I know I'm not anything right now, but just watch. I might be somebody someday. And then he was the number two pick in the NFL draft, which was nuts. Yeah. That's, he, he, he was a special guy. He was, a special, special guy. Man. I had four years with him, and those were four. I mean, not only was he a great player, but he was a fun guy to be around. You know, just a fun guy every day. Yeah, he was and awesome. He was a good guy. You know what I mean? And... Uh, I, I'm going to ask you one more. No okay. reason I have, to, I have to get off. I have a team meeting on Zoom coming up here. No worries. But another question I have for you is, let's see, it's a question. It is a question, but how I want to say it the right way okay. is, what would college football landscape look like if the Big East could have stayed intact and Penn State would have come into the Big East? Oh, my God. It would have been... It would have been incredible. I, I think. I think it would have. <laughs> I think it would attempt. I, I think it would attempted Notre Dame. I, uh, I. I think. I think if if the Big East had brought in Penn State, we'd still have Big East football. I, I think. I think it would be amazing to see Syracuse and Pitt, and you know, and UConn and Penn State and West Virginia and Miami and and you know, and BC. If it all had stayed together. I think we could have been seeing something absolutely uh, incredible, and I'm really sad that it never happened. But it didn't, and you know now we have the American Athletic, and and I think that that's great too. And Mike Resco has been 
terrific. So I got off the hot seat easy because you don't get to ask a third one. But Coach Adazio here with us on Wake Up Call. Uh, Steve, thank you so much. I I hope that we keep in touch. And I'm really happy that I finally got to uh, truly tell you how much I respect you. Well, you made my day and I appreciate it very much. And uh, please stay in touch because uh, you're one of the great guys out there in your profession and uh, good for college football, but good for Eastern football, which I'm so proud of. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate those words very much, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Take care, Dan. All right, take care.